Welcome to North Shore News Week. Hello, hello, North Shore. This is Joe Coglin and Martin Carlino coming to you from the record NorthShore.org, your neighborhood local news site. Um, nonprofit newsroom, we might say. So uh, if you, uh, most of our news is free of charge over there based on reader funding. We thank you for your support and your readership. Um, go over to check out all the stories we're about to talk about today in North Shore Newsweek are uh, up in full on the site. So please go check them out um, if you are interested. If not, we're going to give you a brief wrap up right now of what we're talking about in three short segments. Um, first segment's lead story. Second is up and down the shore. And third is fan favorite, the featured feature of the week. So we start out with our lead story, and it is, of course, um, Nutrier's reopening plans, discussions, COVID-related um, matters um, that are um, very polarizing right now to um, the entire Nutrier community. Um, so, Martin, you were at a meeting last night where they um, discussed, again, plans to potentially add more students to on-site learning. Yeah, Joe, last night was the first of two special meetings of the Nutria Board of Education. There's going to be another special meeting of the board next Tuesday night, December 1st. Um, so anyone listening who's interested, that'll be um, next week. And that is when we're likely going to, uh, I shouldn't say likely, that is when we're going to get a decision on Nutria's operational plan moving forward. Um, last night, Superintendent Dr. Paul Sally recommended a plan. Uh, moving forward to the Board of Education that would um, keep the district's current model in place. That current model they have in place right now is 25% in-person learning. That's sort of the cap they have it set up. Um, there would be some enhancements according to Sally's plan um, that would involve some some students, um, some additional students coming in who have uh, who have some needs who have been identified as struggling students that the administration thinks would would benefit from some more in-person opportunities. So there would be a, a small uptick potentially. Um, but Sally recommended to keep that plan in place until January 26th. Um, he, he deemed that a significant date because that'll be when Nutrier sub- transitions, excuse me, to its second semester. So that'll be the start of Nutrier's second semester. So he, he kind of listed it out as it would be a nice, a nice time to transition and bring some more students in, you know, Obviously, there's a lot to take into consideration there, but uh, ultimately the board decided to table a vote on on Dr. Sally's recommendation. So um, right now, um, the same old, same old, for lack of a better term, um, in regards to their operational plan. And we'll know more next week when the board meets again on December 1st to vote on that plan. But if that if that plan is approved by the board, we we'll see more new cheer students on campus um, starting January 26th, up to 50% um, under that plan. So we'll have to see what the, uh, what the board decides and if they agree with Dr. Sally's recommendation. And we have a lot of um, factors that go into this. Really, it's a puzzle. Um, it's getting pretty convoluted, if not already, um, both from outspoken members of the community, teachers, students, um, who all are very passionate for good reason about this topic. Um, another factor is um, feeder districts who are going remote uh, and some who have not, but it's uh, important to note that Glencoe and Avoca districts have decided to go all remote but with an adaptive pause in their learning, uh, in their in-person until um, January, mid-January when um, uh, just after Martin Luther King Day. So 
Well, um, Matt Public, sorry to interrupt you, Joe, but well, Matt Public Schools has also announced that just for only one week, as of right now, it will be going um, remote. And that is the week following Thanksgiving. So next week, the week of November 30th, um, Superintendent Dr. Carrie Kremascoli said that she hopes it's only a one week pause, um, but we'll, we'll have to see what happens. So there may be a special meeting of the um, District 39 Board of Education as well in the coming week to keep an eye on. We'll, of course, be there and, and have the latest information. But to uh, to your point on Glencoe District 35, Joe, an interesting um, an interesting requirement from, from their statement um, is that when students return to, to school in January, they're, they're going to require a negative COVID-19 test. That is the first district we've seen propose something along those lines. So um, definitely something to be aware of if you are a, a member of that district and you have a student in that district. Yeah, not only that, they're asking anyone who travels uh, out of state to quarantine for 14 days and have a negative COVID test. Um, and a good negative COVID test, um, they do want it to be from a doctor, a medical test, um, not one of the rapid response or screenings. Um, so, um, yeah, definitely the first we've seen of that. And, and um, obviously, Glencoe uh, made that a, a rule, um, a guide, uh, not, a, not a guideline, but they put it into, into motion. So it has to happen before students or staff um, come back to school. We've started to. We've also started to see in a lot of uh, in a lot of the meetings we cover of the local um, school districts that we cover here at the record. We've started to see a lot of the boards of education consider um, adopting similar testing programs. Um, maybe not exactly to what Nutri High School has, which is obviously a very robust, detailed, um, extensive COVID nineteen screening screening program that is a uh, course allowed only to uh, to a district that is able to fund something like that and Nutrier is able to fund something like that and, and has the resources available for that. So it's a bit more unrealistic to do so at that kind of scale at the, at the smaller level on the feeder district level. But some of our boards of education have started to discuss potential screening plans similar to Nutrier's. Um, I know district 39 is, is thinking about and looking over some options that would um, provide a, a screener program for maybe a month or two in some of those uh, times that would be deemed the highest risk, which obviously would be leading up to and after um, the holiday breaks coming up. So another thing to keep an eye keep an eye out for. I know District 35 has also um, considered a, a potential screening program as well. So um, something something to watch for in the in the upcoming Board of Education meetings of these uh, of these boards in the near future here. Yeah, definitely, Marty. And, and kind of the, uh, the third tier to this lead story, lead story broken up into three, is um, we, we've heard from a new group in the community. Um, we've heard from a group called, in the past, uh, called Open Nutrier, uh, which is a group of parents who wants more on-site instruction up to 50%. Uh, we've heard from the Board of Education. We've heard from administration. Now, this, this new group is called um, Nutrier Students for Safety, um, and they, they emerged within the past couple weeks, and they held a virtual rally before the board meeting at 4 o'clock um, on YouTube Live. Um, had about 150 viewers, but now that video has been viewed um, probably close to 1,000 times. And uh, they brought in medical professionals, a, a mental health professional, um, and as well as um, students spoke their piece, um, a handful of students as well as some anonymous comments um, from students that they say that, that the group said they collected. Um, but the most um, 
The most dramatic and the most polarizing statements did come from new Trier teachers who did back up these comments with their names. Um, and it's worth a, a look and it's worth a read um, at what at least some of these teachers are dealing with. Um, we have the story up at the recordnorthshore.org. Um, but just for example, um, English teacher Jeffrey, um, Jeffrey Markham um, said that, that the faculty has been basically giving, given conflicting statements, one about it's safe for instruction, one about the goal is to have low COVID. He says those are incompatible because if the building has anyone with COVID, it is unsafe by nature. Um, he's, 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 he's criticizing how the, the, the district has accepted faculty feedback. Um, and uh, so he, he let his voice be known there. We also have, by the way, in the story, um, response from the district. So you can see that as well. But uh, kind of another big part of this of um, the, the teacher's response, as well as the students, the students brought this up too, is the inequity in the um, kind of built into um, a hybrid model or a remote learning model in that um, kind of across the globe, you're seeing this trend across the country, I should say, in that uh, remote learning is, uh, is chosen more often by um, students of color and families of color. And at New Trier, 18% um, of the district's white students are all remote, while 30% of the black students, 26% um, of the Latinx students, and 51% of the Asian students are all remote. So students of color make up 22% of the, of the school population, but are 37% of the all remote track. So you can kind of see the disparity there um, and claiming inequity. And really kind of a powerful statement by um, Tom Law, Tom excuse me, art instructor Tom Lau, um, who said, um, Nutria's motto calls on all of us to commit hearts to compassion and lives to service of humanity. But instead, what I see is a selfish and greedy effort to forge ahead, leaving the less fortunate behind. Um, so um, some, some difficult things that, that some tensions growing and, and difficult things the district has to address. The district does say it is aware of and has started to analyze the disparity and the inequity, and uh, they are planning to do something about it, and some things are already in the works. So take a look at the story, read it. Um, some things are going to be changing there, um, and how that, however it unfolds, however more students will be on campus, um, and however the learning platform changes, um, in the coming weeks, you're going to see some, some tweaks um, to that in whatever the board decides. So um, keep a close eye on it. Very polarizing um, stuff. Very dramatic. So um, just a lot of things we've been working on and keeping a close eye on um, in New Trier. Whew, that is the lead story. With a uh, district that big, you, uh, you know, the news just never stops. And we're here to bring you that news. So you can, you can expect stories on, uh, on New Trier pretty frequently at the, uh, over here at the record. Absolutely. So we'll stay on it. Um, and that is your three-tiered lead story. Um, we're going to go to down the shore, up and down the shore. It's our second segment. Um, and we're going to start in Glencoe and um, everybody's favorite architect, Frank Lloyd Wright. Yeah. Glencoe now has a new certified landmark. It's the, it's now the 10th certified landmark in the village of Glencoe. So um, a Glencoe couple, and I apologize in advance if I mispronounce their name a little bit, but Peter and Ellen Van Vetchen own a home in the 1000 block of Meadow Road in Glencoe that was designed by uh, the famed architect Frank Lloyd Wright. 
Um, and earlier this year, they had submitted um, a application for landmark status to the village of Glencoe. And that application was approved last Thursday night at the Glencoe Village Board's meeting. So now that house has landmark static status, excuse me. And what that means is that that house now is now is protected from demolition and all exterior modifications must first be approved by um, the village of Glencoe. So Peter and Ellen were, uh, were very adamant when they addressed the board that they would like to see the preservation of that property um, for many years to come. And they know that one day that that property might, might fall out of their hands and they would like to see that that property would continue to be preserved if it eventually does um, fall out of their ownership some sometime long down the future. So that uh, that is great news for for a village like uh, like Glencoe because they have the third largest collection of Frank Lloyd Wright designed properties um, in the nation. I believe they have uh, nine Frank Lloyd Wright designed properties, which is behind only Chicago and Oak Park. So. One of those properties is now here for the long haul, Joe. That's very good news and um, an important status for that home. Um, I want to preface our next, we're going to take a hop down to Winneka, but before we do, we can preface this a little bit. Um, it's budget season, guys. So not only um, is news coming fast and furious for um, in relation to COVID-19 and um, it's budget season, which means um, every government entity is working their budget and proposing it. And this has to do specifically with your investment in the community, your tax dollars. So um, we take breaking these things down for you seriously, and we do our best to do it. Um, now, it's a little dry, guys. We, we do our best here. It's procedural. Um, it's technical language, but we try to, to present you with our best possible picture and how it affects you. So um, these next few stories are about uh, that sort of uh, budget season and levy season. So with that, um, we're going to go to Winneka and D36. And believe it or not, a bit of good news. Yeah, we've got uh, we've got a decrease over at District 36. So as Joe sort of prefaced this story, I think it's important to note that if you are really interested in, in some of the specifics, that it's important to really check out the story because we've got the, the total levy breakdown in the story, all the numbers, all the... Uh, all the breakdown of how the district plans to fund um, the levy and the, the breakdown that that's included. So starting out in uh, Winneka Public Schools District 36, as Joe mentioned, we've got a little bit of a decrease there. They are anticipating their levy is going to come in at a 4.3% decrease. Um, so what that means is Winneka homeowners will see a decrease um, in their property tax bills next year related to Winneka Public Schools District 36. So they may not see a decrease in, the, in their overall property tax bill, but in the portion of that bill that relates to Winneka um, District 36, they will see a decrease there. And what that decrease is attributed, attributed to is some refinancing that the district did uh, a couple years ago. So they, they had some savings and, and were able to, to refinance and they had a significant um, decrease in one of the areas of the levy that allowed that 4.3 overall decrease to take place. So um, not, not a huge uh, significant decrease, but definitely a, um, a welcome sign, I'm sure, for many Winneka homeowners that that portion of their, uh, of their property tax bill will be a little bit less next year. And from there, we're going to go uh, take a step over to Northfield, and we're going to talk about Nutrier again, who amid all um, the COVID-19 and reopening, they, they passed a their uh, their levy, um, which will include a bit of a bump, um, but seems kind of kind of 
annual, doesn't it, Marty? Yeah, 2.3% increase is what new share is anticipating. And usually, as you mentioned, Joe, these uh, in the new share district, it does increase a little bit every year, which is so I'm sure homeowners are sort of uh, expecting a, just a slight uptick. Um, an important thing to note is that the increase could actually go up to 2.57% um, actually, depending on the value of new property. Um, just some, some brief background on that. That is something that is determined by Cook County, and uh, we won't know the specifics of that number until June, I believe. Um, so the district sort of has to, for the time being, estimate a number. So right now it's it's 2.3 is the increase they're estimating, but it could um, exceed up to 2.57% depending on the, the value of new property. Take a look at that again, that whole story um, on Nutria and Winneka and the upcoming one I'm about to talk about in Wilmette, all at therecordnorthshore.org. Um, Wilmette is actually, um, um, discussed their budget last night, um, and it includes a uh, some 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 deficit spending, and it's COVID related, uh, according to um, uh, Mike Brayman, the village manager over there. I think a lot of villages are going to see that a uh, lower revenue in this year, and expected at least for the first quarter, if not multiple quarters in 2021, in sales tax revenue, income tax revenue. Um, if they're holding, if if, if it's an organization that holds events, you're going to see lower in that. Uh, Brayman even said some building permit revenue is down. So a lot of um, a lot of down ticks um, there. Um, so they're going to spend about $2 million in reserve spending to cover that. Basically, in 2020, they lost um, about $800,000 $800, in projected operational funds. Um, revenues fell $1.5 million, but they did make up for it at least a little bit with $700,000 in savings on the expense side. Um, but you're going to see that. Um, you're going to see an increase Basically, what that means, by the way, um, and with their levy that's also passing, is is seventy five more dollars per household. That's based on uh, the average tax bill in Wilmette, which is about um, fifteen thousand um, dollars. You're also going to see a uh, a hike in the stormwater fee, which funds phase two of the stormwater collection project, uh, stormwater collection improvements, I should say. Um, so you're going to see a thirty dollar increase in your stormwater fees. That's an annual fee. Um, on that as well. So a lot of breakdown there, where those funds are going, um, exactly what the levy is, um, bunch of stuff. Um, so the whole budget breakdown there, um, you know, Marty and I have been working a lot on that. Marty's been taking a lot of it too. So um, budget breakdown season, always exciting, very important. It really is. So check it out at the record North Shore. It's a lot easier sometimes to express in words than than the spoken word. So we apologize if it really any, is. if any of that didn't come off uh, as concise as we had hoped. <laughs> <sighs> so that's where Matt. Um and that is up and down the shore for us uh this week. Um we do uh we do urge you to go to the site as we mentioned to check out all the stories. But um on to our favorite um the featured feature of the week and um we did another record roundup guys this is our third one um it's back guys it's back in october um we did a school roundup with covid early we did a halloween roundup with trick-or-treat hours this time we did a roundup with um your popular your favorite holiday events amid the pandemic obviously it's difficult uh I, i don't think we should go through them all marty but um important to know that the ones in wilmette um, which usually includes a parade as well as uh, 
um, as well as the tree lighting are canceled this year. You know, COVID combined with some downtown streetscape um, kind of did it to them. Um, they are doing some other things, so check out um, that story. Um, and Glenn, I think though, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, uh, Joe, one time one time judge at the holiday parade, Mr. Joe Coglin. Multiple year judge, as multiple well as, year judge, as, uh, as well as Eric DeGreasy, our predecessor there, and Will Met, our former colleague, um, was a judge out there. Always, always a pretty fun time um, when it wasn't bitterly cold, which it was a couple times. But um, good stuff judging a parade. I never thought I'd do that, um, but uh, so goes a community journalist life. Um, but not this year, unfortunately. Hopefully, I'll be back next year, uh, or maybe you, Marty. I'll I'll submit your application. Maybe, maybe. Um, in in Glencoe, um, the Light the Lights event, um, which has been going on for years, um, if I'm not wrong, um, they're going to... Yeah, this year they, they sort of canceled the, uh, the gathering aspect to it, but they're still, of course, lighting the lights. So downtown Glencoe will still be beautifully lit during the holiday season, as always. Um, unfortunately, there just won't be those... Uh, those signature events that Glencoe residents have become so accustomed to the last several years. Um, that, that really became a, a trademark of the holiday season in Glencoe. But uh, unfortunately with the, uh, with the pandemic and everything going on this year, the, the village decided it was best if, um, if people don't gather um, for that. So downtown Glencoe will still be, uh, will still be as beautiful as always. Just, just no gatherings and events this year. And real quick, Winnetka is doing um, is doing a live stream of their tree lighting on on their Park District and Village Facebook pages. Um, so you'll have to check that out as well. And they're also doing an open air market, um, which is going on 28th and 29th of November, plus uh, December 5th and 6th um, in the south parking lot of the Village Hall. So let's hope for nice weather for that holiday market um, and support our small businesses. Kenilworth also doing a live stream of its tree lighting. Um, which is uh, right in the middle of town, town square there. I guess it's a town circle with the fountain, but uh, that's on December 5th at 5 p.m. Um, Santa's also going to drive up and down some Kenilworth streets. Um, Santa's going to stop by? Wow, all right. That's a drive through the entire village of Kenilworth, which should take all of 10 minutes. I'm just Better kidding. pack a lunch. Just kidding, just kidding Kenilworth. Um, but he's going to drive by. Um, pretty cool stuff. Um, everyone can come out and say hi. So check out the route. Um, check out that story. It's called the record roundup. Yeah. Um, usually, uh, usually it's not too hard to catch Santa during the holiday season, but I think this year he's, uh, it's going to be tough to, to catch a glimpse of Santa. Maybe that'll get a little, little more magic in the air. People go on a little hunt for Santa. Um, but that's our featured feature the fan favorite. So, um, been a busy week guys. I know it's been uh, busy and trying for you as well, but we got Thanksgiving holiday, a um, lot to be thankful for. So um, I hope you guys can enjoy some time off and enjoy that. And, and here's what's coming up next at the record. We've got, uh, we're going to have a, a preview ready in, um, in the next day or two here. That's going to detail some, some specials going on for that is um, Saturday, November 28th. So that is uh uh, right, right in a couple days here, and some of our local chambers of commerce are working with um, the local businesses in town to put together some special offers and some some special sales for small business Saturdays. Obviously, it's important to uh, to always shop local and support your local businesses, but 
during this time of the year and during the, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, it's even more so important. Uh, local businesses are really a huge part of what makes a community a community. So if you're able to definitely try your best, um, not only this weekend, but this entire holiday season and, and whenever you can to, uh, to support the local businesses around town. Yeah. And, and unfortunately we'll have kind of a, uh, um, bouncing off that roundup, we'll have a story about, um, a, a long, long time one let business Schultz and Olders dry cleaners right there on central Ave, uh, that is closing next week. Um, after 120 years on central Avenue, um, what a so, run. Um, yeah, quite a run. Um, COVID did play a role, but, um, they did also admit that they're, they're content and at, and at, at a retirement age. So, um, they tried to keep it afloat, but, um, uh, that's, you can read all about it in Alan Henry's, um, business obit, if you will, um, that'll come out on Friday. Um, Schultz and owners will close December 4th. So check those stories out when they come out, check out everything we just talked about. Um, thank you for supporting readership. Um, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Again, we hope you, you get some time to, uh, to relax and take a load off um, and enjoy some good food and family. I think we're ready to call it an episode, guys. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone out there. Thank you again. Thank you.